0: We're going to be looking at verses one to six, and my question today is: uh, Where do you fit? Where do you fit? You know, it seems like all of us, as 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 people, as as humans, have this need to fit in somewhere, to be part of something. We're always looking, see where we fit in, and and especially. I remember high school. I don't want to remember too much about high school. But um, there's always this need to be part of something. And I think as adults, we do the same thing. We just get better at it. Um, and it's not necessarily a good thing. The Bible tells us that we were created in the image of God. Before the fall, before sin entered the world, men had perfect fellowship with God and and had a design... In a plan uh, for their lives. They they knew exactly where they fit. Adam knew exactly what he needed to do. He didn't get up in the morning. He's like, okay, what do I do today? He knew exactly what he needed. God took care of all that for him. When sin sin entered in, that that fellowship was broken. And like many things that have been designed by God and, and have been corrupted, like just the natural desires that we have... So was so was that need to, to fit in somewhere and has been affected by sin. And so we we look into all the wrong places, and, and we don't have that which God has. It's, he has the best for us, and we miss out. I mean, you look at social media. You look at Instagram and Facebook, and it is one big I-want-to-fit-in party. That's, that's what it is. That somebody was telling me the other day, and I, I don't know how true this is, so I might be corrected afterwards, but... People that are involved, really, be busy in social media with Instagram. They tend to get depressed and they tend to, you know, have issues because they're not being liked and they're being they're not being followed or, or they can't follow someone and their friendship is not being accepted and just get all cut up in that. And it affects all of us, not just not just the world. it affects all of us, Christians and non-Christians. Um, for the non-believer doesn't have the Spirit of God, not having res, uh, repented of their sins and, and and asking Christ to be their own Savior, the believers the, the, who Paul is talking here to in in Ephesus, to the Ephesians, he, even though their sins have been forgiven, the natural man, that part of, the, of them that wants to do their own thing, that part of all of us who wants to do things contrary to to God always gets in the way. And so Paul calls them to to unity here in this section of chapter 4. And and you wonder why and you know it if every if you look at all the letters of Paul, he's always he's always talking to believers. And he uses the 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 one thing here. He's always talking he always says I beseech you therefore brethren. He's always pleading with them. And and makes you wonder, you know, what what have we? What are we doing? And and the thing is, because a lot of times we forget, we're we're always being reminded of what's required of us, and, and also reminded here in Ephesians of what the Lord has done. And and so he, he reminds him because the natural man, that that part of me that wants to do things different to what God has for me, gets in the way. We want to be part and take part of things. They're not in the will of God and, uh, and what God has for us. Also, because as Christians, you and I, we are the body of Christ. We are the church. Paul tells us that in Colossians 1.18. And, and if you're a Christian here today, you have asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. You've asked him to forgive you of your sins. You're the church. This building is not the church. We call it church. We say, I'm going to church. We you come into this building, but you and I, we are the church. We are the body of Christ. And, and the church, the body of Christ, has many members, and these members have a different function, but it is one body and therefore one head. Bodies with two heads, just Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many a are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into the one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a, a, a hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were here, where would be the, the smelling? But now God has said the members, each one of them, in the body just as it pleased. And if they were all one member, where would be where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you, No much. Rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honor, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. For proper function of the body, there must, be, there must be unity. In the body of Christ, in the church, you and I, there must be specific things that we all have to maintain, that we all have to uh, agree upon for the body to work, otherwise it will destroy itself. Uh, Paul in Ephesians 4.16 says, "...from whom the whole body joined and knit together, but what every joint supplies according to the effect it working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body." For the edifying of itself in love. And the same thing it's with your physical body. If, if, if your heart would decide right now to, to not function as it was designed to do, uh, at best you get a trip in an ambulance. At worst, uh, well, it depends. If you're a Christian, you graduate. And, and so Paul is dealing with that here. And goes into detail regarding to all that we are called to do as the body of Christ was expected, expected of us. But also, you know, what, what God would like to do in and through our lives. What God to, would like to do in and through our lives. And I don't know if you ever asked that of God. Have you ever said, God, you know, what is it? Show me what it is that you have for me. What do you want to do in me and through me? And, and if you decide to ask God that, just hang on. In verse 1 here in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And Paul starts with therefore, and if you sat in Bible study, you know that every time there's a therefore, you have to ask, what is it therefore? And it points back to the whole of chapter 1, 2, and 3, the first section of of Ephesians here where, where Paul deals with doctrine. There's doctrine in chapter 4 on, but deals specifically with doctrine, with the riches that we have in Christ Jesus. reminds the Ephesians of all the things that they have in Christ. And then the next three chapters, 4, 5, and 6, he deals with and and explains to them a responsibility that they have in Christ as as, as Christians. God is never going to ask you, God is never going to ask any of us to do something to walk or to live our lives in any specific way before... Doing everything I had, telling us everything that He has done, equipping us, empowering us, enabling us, and then and just direct us. And that's what He's doing here with the Ephesians in chapter four on. This is this is basic Christian living. In chapter two, verse ten, he ten he tells them, "For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them." And and Paul here continues in in chapter one, he in chapter four, verse one, he. He identifies his location. He's in jail. He is a prisoner for his faith, the prisoner of the Lord. And he pleads with them. He's not bossing them around. He says, I beseech you. And this is something that he does a lot. As I mentioned before, you read through the, through the, the, the epistles, and he's always pleading with people. And, and I have to wonder, you know, something's not right. As a Christian, the, the Word of God is always, always pointing us back to, to where we need to be. We forget he pleads with them. You and I would say, you know, I, I beg of you or, or, or I plead with you. And, and it denotes an intensity and an urgency so the person that is reading would pay attention. If you go to someone and please, I beg you. The word besieges, the word parakaleo, means to come alongside to encourage. Same thing that the Holy Spirit does in, in our lives. So Paul encourages us to walk together in unity but in order for that to happen, certain things need to be evident in our lives, present, present in our lives as believers, as the body of Christ, as the church as a whole. If he encourages us to walk together, then how does he expect us to do it? And he says, says that we ought to walk worthy of the calling in a manner that honors the one who has called us, and that's that's Jesus. The word worthy, worthy also means in respond to what we have been Given in response to how we have been blessed. In Romans chapter twelve, Paul says, "I beseech you." There is that word again. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, acceptable to you, which is uh, to head to God, which is your reasonable service. That word reasonable—it's logic. It's a logical service to God. Colossians one ten says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully, ple- uh, fully pleasing Him. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. When you are blessed in some way, there is a, a response in direct relation to what you have been blessed with or how you have been blessed. If, if I come out not down there right now and I start passing out money, I won't But because I don't have any. But if I go here to the, the... There's nobody in the first row except for the gentleman. I give him a dollar. He's going to look and go, thanks. But if I go to the people on the second row and, and, and I give them $1,000 each, I won't. Their level of thankfulness is going to be like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no switching seats. Sorry. You already got a dollar. Now, the same thing goes with if, if I go to him and I said, here's a dollar, now do with it something that will glorify God. And to the people behind him, here's a thousand dollars, make sure that you honor God with these thousand dollars. Now he's probably like, I'm glad I only got a, a dollar. Because the people in the second row were like, iPhone, here we go. No, 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 it has to glorify God. iPhones don't glorify God? Well, How much have we been given? You know, the, the duty and the responsibility just stepped up. How much have you and I been given? How much? What, what prize was paid for you and I? Peter in 1 Peter one eighteen says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you, whom through him believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him, glo- gave him uh, glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. You, you and I were not purchased with silver or gold. It was the blood of Christ that paid for, the, for our sins on that cross. So, Paul encourages us, pleads with us to walk in unity. And that's the intended end of this section. Down in verse 13 he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Being part of of that which is God's will for us is something that has been given to us by Christ. You and I cannot produce unity within the body of Christ on our own. We cannot make this happen. All, All attempts of Of men to produce unity end up in uniformity. There's, you know, which is just an outward outward nature, uh, something that this world is good at. Every time I think of uniformity, it reminds me of my years in private school, and having to wear a uniform, and everybody having to look the same. And we always attempted to change it, just not wear the tie the right way, the tie the right way, or not wear a blazer. Then had to wear a blazer and slacks and. And just to be corrected. But even when we try to do that, the group of us that we're trying to do that will look the same. You can't win. You know, how many people, especially young people, become part of a movement or an idea in order to be different? In order to, to make a statement against society or their parents or, you know, whatever comes to mind only to to end up into their own version of uniformity and then, then they all look the same. yeah but we're different no no you all look the same. And this is our calling. You and I have been called you, you and I as the church we've been called out that's what the church means the church the word church means. We have been called out of this world unto God. We, we are being set apart. It's part of our sanctification as believers. The Bible says that we are to be holy, consecrated to God, set apart. We get confused about that word. We think holy means better than everybody else. No, it means set apart for God. And this is how we ought to walk in order for unity to be maintained. He says in verse 2 With all lowliness, not loneliness, lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. These are the things that should be evident as we walk worthy of that calling. The word therefore, lowliness, is the same word you you translate as humility. It is being able to see others in a greater light than ourselves. To think, not to think of ourselves first, and that's really hard to do. We love ourselves way too much. You, you, you go on Instagram or you go on Facebook, you look at a picture, you look for you. And if your friends haven't tagged you, you tag yourself. And then everybody else, so they can see that you're in the picture. Jesus is probably, actually he is, the greatest example of of lowliness, of humility. In Philippians 2, 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearances of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. When we put God first, then others... And self last, we exemplify Christ in His life, that that He, in obedience to His Father, humbled Himself even to the even to the point of the cross. I remember when I was before I got married, my wife and I were going through our premarital counseling, and um, Pastor Tony was doing. He said, "You know that God comes first, and then your wife, and then and I go, and then me." He goes, "No, you're last." Way back there, it's easy for us to think highly of ourselves. We love ourselves. In one I always take care of number one. Gentleness—it's the word for meekness, not weakness. Meekness—the word was used of domesticated animals, and it spoke of power under control. Moses was known as as the meekest man; he was no wimp. Jesus was meek, but when it was needed, he sat and made a, a whip of cords and just waited for the right time and then just whipped everybody out of the temple. Long-suffering, patience. It's, it's, it's how God was towards you and I so that we can come to repentance. And he's still very patient with, with all of us. Some of us more than others. Romans two forces for. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? I wonder if if if, if you if God would be as patient with you as long suffering with you as you are with people. What would it happen? I am glad that that God's long, long suffering toward me. If, if in 1992 he would have gone, no, nah, you know what, I'm done with this guy. That's it. I'm glad he's long-suffering. I thank him for that. If you're here today, he's being long-suffering. He loves you. Forbearance. Holding up one another in love. These are, these are all part of the fruit of the Spirit, and, and it will be manifested as we walk in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and all of this is done in love the love of God, that, that agape love, the sacrificial love that He sent His Son to die on the cross for you and I. And this is something that needs to be needs to, we need to have diligence in doing that. He says in verse 3 endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. To endeavor means to exhort, to, I mean, to exert oneself, to to, to be diligent. Is there, is there that intensity in, in our lives to walk worthy of the calling and, and then exemplify uh, these things while doing it? Because that's what we are encouraged, that's what we're being, he's pleading with us to do that. In order for unity to happen, in order for a body to function, and then when it comes to the Word of God, and when it comes to you and I, in order to function in a way that honors God, we have to agree on biblical principles and nothing else. Uh, It's not my ideas or your ideas. It's what the Lord tells us. What God in His Word, uh, it's given us. And actually, apart from the Word of God, we don't have a lot of things that we can agree upon because we're all, having, or we're all going to have a different idea about stuff. So we need to make sure that, that we understand, we have a, a clear biblical understanding of the Word of God because the world's idea of unity changes every day. And that's why it's so important for you and I as Christians that we are students of the Word of God so that, that we know what we believe and why, and are able to discern what is biblical and what is not. Paul tells uh, Timothy in, in 2.15, he says, Second 2 Timothy 2.15, says, Be diligent to present yourself a proof to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And, and here in verse 4, he goes on to give us this, these basic biblical truths that we all must agree upon. He says, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling. That one body is, is, is the body of Christ offer on the church, but it's the, is the church on the cross, sorry, but it's the church, it's the body of Christ. Colossians 1.17, And he is there for all things, and in all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. One Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, John fourteen twenty six says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I, I said to you. And in 1 John 5, 7, he says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Paul says here in Ephesians, One hope, the hope of our calling in, in the soon return of Christ. Came the first time, he promised he'll come the second time. And he'll meet us in the air. First Thessalonians 4, 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be cut up to, together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. A church or a believer that denies or neglects the truth of the coming of Christ um, will be identified by compromise and worldliness. You, knowing that the Lord's coming back does something to us. Just like when I was a kid, knowing that my parents went out to do something and they were coming back, you watched. Because you want to make sure that when they walked through the door, we were doing the right thing. Fear is a healthy thing. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3:18 says for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose god is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the savior the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. One faith, the gospel. The gospel that that transformed our lives, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born of a virgin, lived lived a a sinless life, that on the cross for our sins and on the third day rose from the grave and now sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. One baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Empower us for service to, to walk to live a life that is that is glorifying to God, but also He has sealed us for the day of redemption so that so that we know that we are his. One God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all and in you all. In first Timothy chapter two, verse five it says for there is one God and one mediator between God. And man, the man Christ Jesus. And Isaiah forty four six, God says, "Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last, and besides me there is no other." All these things are these the things that we believe. Are, is this something that you believe, that you know, and that you believe? Where where do we fit? As a Christian, I know what the Word of God says. Where do I fit in and, and what God has prepared for me? I know where I belong. I know what he's done. I know what he, what he came to do and the sacrifice he made and the provisions that he's made for me. And it, it is clear what he has, but it's still it's up to me. I have to make a decision every day. Do I want to be in the will of God? Do I want for myself that which God has for me or do I want what I want? A friend of mine once says, you know, ultimately every single one of us here is going to do what we want to do. I just pray that what you want to do and what I want to do is what God wants us to do. Because we're going to do what we want to do. We, 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 we get up in the morning and we have a plan. Now what we want to make sure is that plan is what God has for us. What are we going to do with what God has done? What are we going to do with his son and the provision of, of the forgiveness of our sins, the assurance of eternal life that he's given us? I have a, a, I have two girls, two daughters, and I have a six-year-old. And uh, by the way, she thought the music was rocking today. And every morning, she since she's been able to speak, she asks... Pretty much the same questions every morning. First one is, can I have breakfast? Because you have to have your priorities, right? And then she asked, where are we going today? Actually, the night before, she would ask and, and see if there was anything going on the next day that we're going to go somewhere. She lives for going somewhere. And if it involves the mall or Knott's Berry Farm or Disneyland, it's even better. She, she loves going. So she, she gets up in the morning, what are we doing today? Where are we going? And, and it's pretty much every morning. You can ask my wife. It's like. And we realize, like, nowhere. We're staying home. We do that just to see the look in her eyes. <laughs> Even if we're going somewhere. But she's no different than most of us. You know, we're always looking for the next, the next great thing. We're always looking to be part of something. We, you always you always want to, have, you know, some new thing. And and I remember when Facebook started and everybody was there and all the kids were in there and then the moms came in and that was it. And so they went somewhere else and they went to Instagram and now the moms are coming to Instagram and so there's there's gotta be something else for them to go to. Um, but we're always looking for that new thing and that new place to go do what we want to do and be part of something. But we look in all the wrong places. We look to all the wrong things. We look—we don't look to God's best for us. And, and when we're looking and striving and trying to fit in somewhere and making sure that we are accepted by this group of people or by this place or that place... God is standing by, and and He's He's got everything ready for us. He's got everything that we will ever need here and into eternity. But somehow, we want we want to do our own thing. We continue to look somewhere else, and God's going, "Hey, I got the best for you right here." Yeah, 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 I know. But and He's telling us the same thing that He said to His people in Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. Is, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart and I will be found by you says the Lord. He is he's ready he's, he, he has done everything. For us to give us a future and a hope and all he wants us to do is to ask all he wants us to do is to seek and say hey God I, I want your best for me I, I want what you have for me and what you want to do in and through me and I don't know where you guys are all at tonight some of you guys I know some of you guys I'm related to And maybe you, you have Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're playing games, and you're yeah you know what God has for you, and you've you've accepted His Son, and you have the forgiveness of your sins, but you have this thing on the side, or maybe you just don't know where you fit. God knows. He's got a future and a hope. He's made a pl- He has a plan for your life. And and it is the best plan. It is is better than anything that this world can offer you. John says this world is passing away. I mean, nobody with any common sense would invest in anything that's passing away. Nobody would put money into something that it's going to go bankrupt any moment. Yet we spend our lives every day in a world that is here today and tomorrow will be gone. And, at the, and the whole time, God is saying, hey, I have all this for you. Wherever it is that you're at today, God wants to, to work in and through you for His glory. If you don't have Christ as your own Savior, He wants to forgive your sins and give you the assurance of eternal life. And in... And, and, and then give you everything that you need to live a life that honors Him now and all the way into eternity. But it's up to you. You have to make that choice today. You have to decide what are you going to do from this point forward. And for the rest of us Christians, we, we have to make that decision to walk with Christ every day. To, to abide in Him. To not to not be distracted with this world as fancy as it might get. But to... to to be exactly in the center of his will. So wherever we're at tonight, um, the band's going to come up and they're going to close in a couple songs. I don't want you to leave the same way you came in. I don't want you to leave playing the same games that you play every day. You do church. You come in, you leave. You, You... You play the part here at church and then you go out the doors and you do your own thing and and then you blast it all over Instagram and the rest of us see it. And if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, know that he came and gave his life for you. And all you have to do is ask. All you have to do is ask, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Give me a brand new heart, fill me with your Holy Spirit, and he will do exactly that. And then He'll empower you and give you everything that you need for life and godliness. So, with that, let me pray for you guys. And if, if if you need prayer, if if you need either to repent and allow the Lord to continue to work in your life, or you need to ask the Lord for the forgiveness of your sin, as they do worship, I'm going to be over here to the side. Just come up. We'll pray with you. And and uh, but don't do not leave today the same way you came in. Let me pray, Father God, Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, we thank you for for your love, you grace, you mercy, Lord. We thank you for your Son. We thank you for the price that He paid on that cross. His His blood shed for our sins, Lord. And then, on top of that, all the things that you have prepared for us, we we don't have to give our lives to you and then try to figure out everything that we need in this life and in the one to come. You've you've you you have it ready for us, Lord. Help us to to keep our eyes focused on you. To allow you to, to work in and through us what you have for us, Lord. And that that we want to do today and the day after that and so on, it's what you want to do in and through our lives, Lord. Your will, not ours. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And we ask things in Jesus' name. Amen.